The Grazadio School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business. Hello and welcome. My name is Rick Gibson. I'm Vice President for Public Affairs here at Pepperdine University, and I'm joined today by Dr. Linda Livingstone, who's the Dean of the Grazadio School of Business and Management. Welcome, Linda. Thank you, Rick. It's good to be here. Well, it's been another outstanding series for the Dean's Executive Leadership Series, and uh, uh, today we wrap things up. That's exactly right. We've had a great year with some really exceptional speakers, and we're really pleased to close out the year with Dennis Kuehl, who's the chairman of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So we think this will be an exceptional event for everyone. So kind of a sports theme going on here. We had Jerry West before, and uh, and now now Dennis Kuehl. That's exactly right, and we had Coca-Cola and some others that do a lot in the sports arena as well. So it's been a, a fun and interesting year with with some uh, really high-profile leaders. Well, we really look forward to this conversation. Let me invite our listeners to sit back and relax and to enjoy this conversation with Dennis Kuehl. Well, we are here for our final podcast of the Dean's Executive Leadership Series for 2011-2012. And we are thrilled to end our series this year with Dennis Kuhl, who's the chairman of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Dennis, we're glad to have you with us for our series this year. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Well, we uh, have had a bit of a sports theme this year. We had Jerry West with us earlier in the year, and so we're doing a little basketball, a little baseball. Uh, but you did not start out in the baseball world. So talk to us a little bit about sort of your professional journey and how you got here from where you started. It's a pretty interesting journey. Um, as I, I tell everybody, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Um, after graduating from the University of Arizona, um, my first job was as a cost accountant in Kearney, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, about a year later, Artie graduated uh, from uh, the U of A. He had uh, done done his stint in Vietnam, came back, mm-hmm. finished his education, got a job with a company called Eller Outdoor, and uh, called me and said, you know, you might be interested in doing this. And I said, So you guys were classmates? You knew each other we were, at Arizona? We were, cla- we were fraternity brothers. Oh, at Arizona. Fabulous. Yeah, we were fraternity brothers. That's great. Um, so we were very close. And uh, he then asked me if I'd be interested, and I said, yeah, I'd love to get into sales. And we worked in sales uh, there. He was a salesman, uh, became sales manager. I was a salesman there. He went to Kansas City. I became sales manager. He went to New Jersey. I went to New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, he then left and started his own company. Mm-hmm. I went, came to California. From California, I went back to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. From New Jersey, I went into New York City and worked national sales in New York City for um, at that time, it was the Gannett Company, Gannett mm-hmm. Outdoor. Uh, Artie came to me one day. We had dinner, and he says, I'd like you to come with us and run our national sales in um, New York. And I said, well, I'm here. Uh, I wanted to get back on the entrepreneurial side, so I said, okay. Um, I then, from New York, went to Atlanta to run his Atlanta company. He then went and proceeded to buy the Gannett Company, who we worked for, and asked me to move to California. So I came to California. Artie then uh, built a company to the largest outdoor company in North America, with Canada, Mexico. He then proceeded to, um, took it about as far as he could, yeah. and um, had an opportunity to sell to Infinity, which was part of CBS and Viacom, which he did. And he kind of, uh, I stayed around. He kind of uh, went off into the sunset for a little bit. And I knew what he, I knew a couple things he was uh, doing. 
He then one day, uh, it was a funny story, he had called me up and said, let's go down to, um, he said, I got tickets for the University of Arizona's playing Kansas in the finals of, uh-huh. uh, in, not finals, but the regionals in the right. NCAA. So I said, okay, I'll meet you down here. Let's come down here. And uh, we were standing uh, at halftime outside, and he said, before we go back in, he says, what do you think of that baseball hat over there? I said, the Angels? I says, they've done a nice job. He goes, they just bought the team. <laughs> So well. I said, okay, um, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Not something you hear every day from your friends no. from college. And then uh, we pr- he proceeded. He bought it in May. Uh, in November, he called me up. I was in still working in Los Angeles, very happy with my job. And he said, uh, do you got time for a drink? I said, yeah. Drove down here. We met and got into a conversation. He says, I'd like for you to come and be president of the Angels. I said, okay. And he said, I didn't tell you how much I was going to pay you. I said, I really don't care. Um, we'd always been baseball fans. Right. Um, Every opportunity we ever had, wherever we were, we always took in a baseball game. We loved the sport mm-hmm. from little kids on. So it was it was interesting that uh, uh, how the world turns and in, in, in to to use a soap opera, how the world turns is very strange. Uh-huh. Um, but it was very rewarding. It was, and and everywhere I went, I met and made new friends. Uh-huh. I, Atlanta, I loved. Uh, I loved. Uh, I was. I grew up in New Jersey, so I went back there and spent some time with family, which was great. Um, yeah, Haven, Connecticut, still have friends there. Mm-hmm. So, like I always say, it's the destination. I mean, it's the journey, not the destination. Yeah. That's most important to me. Well, and, and given that we're at a university, and, and one of the things we talk a lot with our students about is really how they engage with their fellow classmates while they're in the programs that we have. And for you, that in many ways was sort of a significant piece of your professional career as well as sort of your personal life was that connection you made with Artie when you were in college. And, and, and it goes beyond that. It was... It was um, a lot of the, John Carpino was our president, went to the University of Arizona. Uh, um, in the billboard business, there was, a, there was, oh, there was a ton of us that went mm-hmm. to the U of A. And it was the connections. We yeah. knew we knew the type of person, and Artie was very good at the type of person that he wanted to hire. And he knew these guys. And Artie was always to think, I'm going to hire people I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it worked out for him. Well, it's a great example of why those are so important, and you need to maintain those connections throughout your life. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how important that is, and and no one um, will ever know the connections you make, especially in college. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so the transition from sort of the outdoor advertising world to the baseball world, clearly, you can sort of see what some of those connections might be. But what did you take from sort of your uh, your world before? professional baseball into what you do with the Angels now that has been helpful to you? There, you have to understand that business is business, and it's about revenue and expenses. And I believe, and I always believe, uh, it's all about selling. Mm-hmm. You've got to sell. You have to, when I came here, I told everybody, you're all going to be salespeople. Remember that. You're mm-hmm. all selling the Angels, the brand. Um, so when we were selling billboards... We were probably lower on the totem pole when it came to media, so we had to do things different. We had to, we had to find our niche and how we were going to do it. And we had our culture, and our culture was service. We outserviced any other media there was. We we underpromised, we overdelivered, and we took advantage of every opportunity we could to. Uh, get a new client and, and do something special for that client. And it wasn't always whining and dining. It, mm-hmm. We had to know their business. And I would tell people, go and learn their business and how to solve their problem. But service was number one that we preached, number one overall. So when we came into this business is, how are we going to service our fans? What are we going to do to make the fan experience better 
than any other place in any other stadium. And that's why we've been fortunate every year to be voted the number one fan experience by ESPN Magazine. Mm -hmm. So it's working. But, you know, there's a lot of things that went into that. Um, but you had to keep that focus. Yeah. You had to keep that focus. So let's talk a little bit about what went into that. Because no matter what kind of organization you are, having a customer focus can be important. You might have different customers. You certainly might have a different product or service that you're selling. What Can you give some specific examples of things you did from a customer service perspective or things you have done over the last several years that have made a significant difference in the minds of the, the fans that come to the games? What happens, you get settled in your thinking process that you're servicing the fan. We'd sit in our staff meeting and say, hey, we're servicing our fan. But it was the management, we weren't touching our fan. We had to decide who was touching our fan. And it was the ushers, right. it was the ticket takers, it was the parking lot attendants. And I don't mean this wrong, but the lowest pay level mm -hmm. were the people that were had more contact mm -hmm. with our fans than we did. So what we did is we went into training mode, and we had to teach and train these people what we expected from them. You cannot expect somebody to do something unless you they have an idea of what's expected right. of them. We found out little things like when people came through the door, they didn't look the person in the eye when they took their ticket. We said, you look that person in the eye. You say, thank you, and you have a good day. Makes it a much more personal experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we still do it. You, ha you can never stop doing it. There are little things um, that y you get an opportunity to do things. But it was about training the people that were touching the fan more than anyone else. That was the key. And uh, we do it every year because we get new, new employees. So it was the ushers on how to treat a person. Can I help you? Mm. Don't, instead of pointing to the seat, say, no, I'll take you to the seat. We did a lot of reading on service. Um, I spent, uh, went to a couple of seminars that, that Disney did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, they're, and they're well known for their well known customer for their service. service. Yes, and absolutely. Uh, pulled, some, pulled their best. Went over here, pulled the best over here. Made sure that uh, I go around and every one of our managers go around every night and walk the stadium and find out, you know, stop and say hi to a fan. Can I help you? You know, let me see where your seats are. Um, they're surprised. Uh, I could give you so many examples of opportunities that I've had. Um, I was outside the ticket office one day, and some a lady, uh, uh, two ladies were there with their husbands, and they said, our husbands aren't here, or they weren't with their husbands, our husbands aren't here yet, and we need to use the restroom. Can we go inside? And we, we don't have our tickets yet. Just come on. Come with me. And I got them through, and uh -huh. I waited for them, and I brought them back out. And their husbands were standing there with their tickets, and they go, where you been? Oh, well, this nice gentleman, too. You know, he's, the, he's the president. <laughs> so <laughs> You got really good service today, You got ladies. really good service. But that will always stick in their mind. Sure, absolutely. So I tell my people, there's always an opportunity out there mm -hmm. to do something special. And you have to have it that everybody thinks the same way. In your management team mm -hmm. and in your whole, whole uh, staff, if they don't have that same common thread of what they're trying, what you're trying to accomplish, you're going to miss it. Mm -hmm. You're going to miss an opportunity. So we're talking about customer service kind of on the individual customer level, but I know another area that you've put a tremendous amount of focus on is the brand and the Angels brand, which certainly ties to that customer service piece, but it's also at a sort of a 50,000-foot level as well. What have you all done to really try to sort of uh, – 
embed that brand into the minds of this community and, and more broadly across the country that was maybe different than what was being done when you came? What we did was we focused on three things. There's, there's a lot of things that you can scatter around and you really lose focus. So we picked three things. We picked the color red. Mm-hmm. We picked- I have seen a lot of that. We were in the stadium today for those <laughs> listening on the podcast, and there's a lot of red around here. <laughs> we, were, um, we focused on the A, uh-huh. and our, what we do with that A is we never change it. We uh-huh. don't put it to the left, to the right. We always, it's just straight on. Mm-hmm. It's always red. We uh, uh, branded angels, the name mm-hmm. angels. Um, we wanted to make sure that uh, the kids were wearing T-shirts. They didn't have a name associate. They were an angel fan. So we focused on that. If you go to our team store, mm-hmm. there's nothing but red down there. That's very. There's a couple of white shirts maybe, but it's got red in it right. somewhere. We focused on the word angels. Um, somebody had told me about when I, when I growing up. I grew up in New Jersey and I was a Yankee fan. And they and they talk about well, you know, you've changed the name here from Anaheim Angels to Los Angeles Angels. I said, you know, as a kid, I couldn't care less what you what the where they were from. I focused. On the team, they were the, the Yankees. players, the Yankees. <laughs> That's all I cared about was uh-huh. the Yankees. They could have been the Oswego Yankees. I didn't care. They were. I focused on the players. Yeah. So what Artie has done is say we're going to focus on three things and we're going to push it and push it mm-hmm. and push it. Uh, one of the things we first did was when you came to the stadium and you went to a merchandise store, if you wanted a red hat, they had the on-field hats. Mm-hmm. The on-field hats are thirty-five dollars. They're the same thing the players wear. Right. But if you're a father and you have three kids... That's a lot to spend at the baseball game. So first thing we did is we developed a family value Uh and bought, went and got hats made, replicas, as cheap as we could so that we could sell them to the kids. So a father could come in and buy five hats at $6 instead of... And he was a hero. So we wanted to make him a hero. But we, it was a red hat, and that's what we're doing. We have, each of us, all our managers have hats in our cars. And wherever we go... We pass them, out. them out. We pass them out. Pass them out. The the thing that you have to do with branding is you have to believe in your brand, and you have to stick with it. You can't go left or right. You got to go that mm-hmm. that straightforward, and that's what we've done. And and it's going to take a long time. Mm-hmm. We are not even at second base as far as where we want to be. Mm-hmm. I want every kid in Southern California to have a red hat on. Mm-hmm. Well, you all this year, uh, prior to the season, uh, made a couple of really big acquisitions of players uh, that so were, so yeah <laughs> you know, so so spent a few dollars here and there on them. Uh, how does that? I mean, those are huge decisions. They're multi-year decisions, uh, and you are obviously doing that to build a strong team on the field, but it also helps build the brand and other things. So, talk about the impact those kinds of decisions make on the organization beyond just what goes on on the field. Well, um, very fortunate. The two gentlemen that we have uh, that we were able to um, secure in a contract um, are very community minded. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the long run, what Artie has, has um, always said, that we would always be competitive. Uh, two years, we did not make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, your product is what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, he wanted to get across to the fans that he wants to build a winner. Mm-hmm. The fans are important. Um, I'm very fortunate to have these two guys here because they are so active in the community. Mm-hmm. And that builds your brand. Sure. Um, C.J. Wilson has his foundation and we're merging, not merging, but we're doing things together. Um, Albert has another foundation, mm-hmm. huge, and we're doing stuff together 
with him. He's already contributed to our foundation. So this inner workings mm -hmm. of a person, I'll give you an example. On July 26th, is one day off they have, I think, in the month. And both of them are running a charity event that mm -hmm. day. That's CJ's great. got his bowling tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, Albert's got his golf tournament. For me, to me, for a guy to have his day off and to do that for his charity uh -huh. says a lot about them. It brought, um, when it was announced on uh, USA um, Baseball Network, um, MLB Network, the, the coverage we got, you can't pay for that. It was, sure. it was worth so much. Mm -hmm. The Angels got pools. Then they got Wilson. When we had our press conference here, we had 5,000 people show wow. up. It was, it was, we will see if the investment pays right. off, but sometimes you got to take a risk. That's right. And, and, uh, Artie's taking a risk, mm -hmm. and he turned to John and I and say, "Now you guys go figure out mm -hmm. how we're going to pay for him." <laughs> <laughs> Got to bring those stands in, there the stands go. into the stands. Well, I was reading an article, and in it, you were quoted as saying, "Never make decisions looking at the past; make decisions for the future." And those certainly seem to be decisions that are very future-oriented because they're long-term contracts with people that you expect to have a big impact on the organization for many years. So. A absolutely. Um, one of the things that uh, Artie is is a visionary. Mm -hmm. uh, he looks seven years out. He wants to know what this team is going to look like seven years out. Mm -hmm. We're here today, okay, but where are we going? And he has drilled in us, and, and uh, we've discussed many times, I can't change the past. I can only plan for the future and make the future what I want it to be. And um, we don't make a lot of decisions on the past because in today's world, things are changing so fast that you can't look in the past. Um, you can't look at, oh, well, what, what did we do in attendance last year? I, I don't care. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do this year to get, get the people in the door? What promo promotions are we going to do? Um, what are we going to do about pricing for our tickets? What are we going to do about concessions? What are we going to offer? Just go forward. Always go forward. And that's kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we were talking about the, the charity events that uh, Pujols and Wilson have done, and, and that brings you great positive publicity. But you also, when you're in a really high-profile business with really high-profile employees, you also have the risk of other types of publicity that uh, can be negative. How do you, in working with players and others, how do you try to manage the risk of that and to sort of help folks understand uh, their actions and what they say and how that impacts the image and the brand of the organization? Or is that something that you've worried a whole lot about? We haven't... We've been very fortunate. Right. And, and I wasn't asking the question because you had problems, which is fortunate, but there's yeah. certainly, you could give lots of examples just, of teams that have had you, those challenges. Yeah, we try to stay away from uh, the players that have had history mm -hmm. of doing that. Um, we had one player which we had a problem with and he was gone the next day. Um, the We make sure that no one player is better than another player out there. Um, Mike Sosha, uh, his, his coaching staff do a really good job in making sure that people understand, again, why we're here. Uh, and that starts at spring training. It yeah. starts the first day. And don't get me wrong, you're always like this. <laughs> you're always like this. You never know in, in the world of sports. And sure. it's not baseball, it's any sport. Um, we've been very fortunate. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say we can't worry about something that we have no control right. over. Um, we have to, uh, if it happens, then it's damage control. Mm -hmm. And so far, so good. Well, that's a good way to be able to think about it as opposed to some of the other uh, 
sports franchises are dealing with some really difficult Very challenges difficult. right now. But uh, it, unbelievable challenges. Yeah. But it, it probably also has something to do with the culture that you've developed. And certainly the selection of players makes a big difference in the level of issues like that that you have to deal with as well. Yes. So the series that we're doing is called the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. And so we bring people to this series that are in significant leadership positions. And one of the things I always like to ask them about, um, because we talk a lot at the, the business school at Pepperdine about values and how important they are to your leadership style and how you approach leadership. Are there two or three or four values that are particularly important to you as a leader that have sort of guided uh, kind of your style and your approach to leadership? Um. You know, it's interesting because I've worked for a lot of different leaders or managers, mm -hmm. and I've tried to take uh, the good parts of those managers. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked for what I call screamers. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a believer in that. I don't think that that's the way to go. Um, I believe in, in I, I'm very, uh, like already very loyal. Um, I believe in the loyalty factor. Uh, I always say, I can teach you how to sell but I can't teach you how to care. Mm -hmm. So it's about caring. I want to see people, when they come to work, they're enthusiastic about work. Um, my management style is, is, is very hands-on. Um, I don't expect anybody to do anything that I wouldn't mm -hmm. do. Um, I believe in um, the old management by w uh, wandering around. Mm -hmm. um, so does John Carpino, our president. At a game night, we wander around. We try to learn everybody's mm -hmm. name. It's, you want to build a sort of a family, but uh, remember, you've you got to be careful of that, too. Right. You don't want to get too close to someone, but you should know their name. Mm -hmm. People like to know their names. Um, you want to build an atmosphere of fairness. Um, I think that's very hard. It, I, is. it is very difficult to build that fairness. There are so many times, and I know in my career, is where I thought I should have gotten this position for what I've done, but somebody else might have gotten that position because of somebody they knew. Mm -hmm. Their performance might not have been as good. So being fair, you really have to work at, but also uh, I think it's very important. Mm -hmm. um, I can't think of anything much more important as being fair, mm -hmm. and you have to be loyal to your You have to communicate. Uh, I think that's the hardest thing. We used to say all the time in sales is, you know, we're in the communications business, and that's probably our hardest thing for us to do mm -hmm. is to communicate, and to communicate clearly and to com communicate so the person understands what you're communicating. And I don't believe in it, it's by yelling. I don't believe it's by um, any other way but just sitting down with that person. Um, leading by example has always been uh, my forte. Now, it doesn't always work, mm -hmm. you know. You try to, because uh, you think people will, well, if I do it, they'll see that. And they'll, right. uh, not necessarily. Um, you know, you look for the, the uh, I've always been a high energy uh, high um, motivational and I always believe you know um, if I'm going to work you know I've got to give my employee the, a good day's work um, so you try to instill that in people but you got to have fun too mm -hmm. and we're in a fun business so it really really uh, it kind of fits into our style and it fits into Artie's style definitely um, we always like to is we like people to know what's going on you know don't like a lot of closed doors we have what's called a um, we've always worked with a horizontal type uh, organizational chart mm -hmm. not from top down what I mean by that is John Carpino and I've worked together for years and we have managers under us but I may have this manager under me John doesn't come to me and then go to this manager mm -hmm. what he does is goes right there 
That's what you have to do to get the job done. Sure. We do not like a lot of, and not bureaucracy, but you know that the little fiefdoms that can yeah, happen. Layering and layering. Yeah. If if you need an answer, get up and go to talk to that person. And uh, it doesn't bother me if he goes to talk to one of the person answers to me. He goes, it doesn't bother me a bit. And doesn't bother. Well, me and that suggests that there's a lot of trust in the system that you trust that each other's doing it in the appropriate ways for the right reasons, and it works when it you've got work. that kind of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you were talking about being in a fun business, and I expect there are thousands and thousands of children all over the country thinking, "Gosh, I wish I had that job someday when I grow up." So it is. It's a wonderful. Uh, a job to have, a wonderful industry to be in. As you look ahead, uh, we talked about looking ahead as opposed to looking back. What are you most excited about in the next few years uh, that you're looking forward to with the Angels? I'm looking, well, there's, two, there's a couple things. First, on the field, um, Artie and I um, talk all the time, and John, we, we, we get together a lot, and we talk about we want jewelry. We want those rings. <laughs> Absolutely. We want a World <laughs> Series ring. And um, the, the <laughs> with this job is, especially with getting CJ and Albert, you have these tremendous high expectations. Right. And when those expectations are not met, the bottom is the worst <laughs> in the world. Um, one of the things that Artie has given, and Artie's so good at, at, at you know, here's what I want to do and here's what I'm looking at. And he gets you excited about something. He's asked me to be more involved in the community, mm -hmm. um, to reach out and sort of be this outreach person. We don't, too many times uh, in the community, we've been reactive to what the community wants. Well, we want to be more proactive mm -hmm. and find out what's going on. Um, I belong to a lot of boards, and I enjoy that uh, because I want to understand where the money's going. Mm -hmm. I'm on the on our uh, board of directors for the uh, Angel Foundation, mm -hmm. and I read every grant that comes through, and I find it so interesting, you know. But I was telling a group the other night, is it's more important for me to know where that money's going. We open a lot of doors, mm -hmm. but if we don't teach them to turn on the light, then that money is just not doing what it should mm -hmm. be. Um, we are the most giving country in the world, but yet we are we fall behind on curing some of the things. Right. Uh, last night I was here with Rod Carew. Uh, we're both involved with Leukemia Lymphoma mm -hmm. Society. We've seen tremendous improvement there, tremendous. But Rod and I, where's this money going? What is mm -hmm. it going for? And it's research. Sure. It's research. Uh, I've been involved with the United Cerebral Palsy. Uh, a friend of mine has it, and um, I'm on his board to raise money to, to do a learning center. But Artie's been very good at in, um, letting us do that. Mm -hmm. uh, Artie lets you manage. He lets you manage. Uh, I always say I'd rather get yelled at for something I did than get yelled at for something I didn't do. Right. Uh, and he, he, he uh, you know, he may like, we may present him with 10 things. He may only pick one, but that's okay. We feel like we got one <laughs> We got one thing done. We got one thing done. And having an owner, uh, Artie, um, he's one owner. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to go through a lot of red tape. Right. You pick up the phone. Hey, Artie, I need, I got to get this done. what to do. Yes. Okay, go. And then I make sure I write it down and send, you remember you said this. <laughs> um, but it's, it, it's, it's a lot easier that way to get things done and make decisions. But he lets us manage. And um, I think that's one thing. If you, if you don't let your people manage, then you don't need them. You don't really need them. Then you can do that. Right. But it's interesting. We hire about eight interns a year uh, from all different uh, things. And I always have lunch with them at the end of the year. And I say, okay, what's, tell me about, well, we didn't know we were going to have to work this hard. You know? 
and because we do work them. Oh, we don't. Yeah. It's not filing. We give them a project. How are you going to do on this? We want to see how you're going to do. And it's, we don't grade them, but you know, what did you learn from that project? Uh, I learn a ton from them, a ton, because I find out um, what our kids looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the Twitter. It's a great it's the focus Facebook. group. Oh, <laughs> what we do is all our promotions. We bring them all in. What do you think? Yes, yes, yes. If it was up to me, yeah. <laughs> and John Carpino said, Dennis, we're not. Uh, we're not the market. We're, we're not the market. We gotta, you gotta think about it. You have to remind that. yourself that of that regularly, all I the time. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to be open. You have to listen mm-hmm. to other people. And when you're building a company or you're or hiring anything, is you have to hire people that are better than you because mm-hmm. they're going to make you look absolutely. better. And people are afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to, oh, this guy will take my, no way, he'll make me look better. Mm-hmm. I've been in many, uh, in the sales organizations, I had salesmen make twice as much money as I did in sales. I didn't care. They were making me look good. And and they'll get ahead. Uh-huh. And they were good salesmen. The worst thing you do is take a good salesman and make him a manager. Right. You know, so you, you got to find, you have to study your people and, and what you want to do. But it's been, um, it's been. A, you're not going to hit it 100 percent in hiring mm-hmm. people. You think you got the right guy, right? And then all of a sudden, you're. And it disappoints me. It it's really, one of the hardest things to do is to hire the right people. Absolutely, dis- one of the most most important and one of the most difficult things. It is, and yeah. it, and when they don't work out, you're more disappointed mm-hmm. than they are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dennis, it's been a pleasure having you with us to conclude our Dean's Executive Leadership Series this year. Uh, you are in a fascinating business that uh, helps keep us all entertained and happy. So we wish you the best with the rest of this season and into the future, and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Well, Linda, it's been an outstanding series, and Dennis was uh, just a a great and delightful uh, uh, interview. Well, it was wonderful having Dennis with us and to have the opportunity to be at Angel Stadium, which was a fun venue for everyone. Absolutely. And to learn about what's going on in the professional baseball world. They've had an exciting year and done some really interesting things, so it was great to hear about it. Well, it is a terrific series, and we really did enjoy uh, these great um, interviews and lectures throughout this year. We want to invite our listeners to tune in for next year's uh, edition of the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. We'll be making announcements about that soon. In the meantime, you can visit bschool.pepperdine.edu slash Dells, that's D-E-L-S, to listen to past podcasts. We hope you do so. Uh, Until next time and until next year, thanks for listening. True leaders inspire others around them to achieve, and leadership is a quality that we can help you develop and master. I'm Dr. Gary Mangifico, Associate Dean at Pepperdine University's Grazia Dio School of Business and Management. Our evening and weekend MBA program is designed exclusively for working professionals like you. Our curriculum, faculty, and highly collaborative learning environment stand ready to help you advance yourself and your career. And though our regional campuses are only a short distance from your home or your work, you'll travel further than you ever dreamed possible. Spring and summer semester applications are now being accepted for Pepperdine's evening and weekend MBA program at our Encino, Irvine, West LA, Westlake Village graduate campuses, and our new Santa Barbara location. Call 800-933-3333. Pepperdine's Grazia Deal School of Business and Management. Master the leader in you.